the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. This is your hour when Orlando Magic's Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Welcome, folks, to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. I'm your host, Pat Williams, and we gather like this every weekend here on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. We're always very pleased when you join us. Uh, Alan Dempsey, once again, does the engineering. Uh, Andrew Herdliska is our producer. And in this first half hour, Jeremy Sabella is our guest professor of religious courses at Fairfield University and Yale Divinity School. Uh, His new book is out. It's called An American Conscience, The Reinhold Niebuhr Story. Uh, Jeremy, wonderful of you to join me. I'm so glad we can visit. As am I, Pat. Thank you very much. Tell me about uh, Reinhold Niebuhr and and where your interest developed. Uh, Well, Reinhold Niebuhr, the way... I describe him to people. He's one of the most influential people you've never heard of. (laughs) Um, This is somebody who started out as a pastor for a small German-American congregation in Detroit, Michigan, and he ended up on the cover of Time Magazine's 25th anniversary edition in 1948. So that in itself is, is remarkable. A theologian on the cover of a marquee edition of of Time Magazine, and um, from there he went on to be this very influential person on everything from U.S. foreign policy to the civil rights movement. And um, even today there are people in all different levels of American government uh, who are more than happy to talk about their indebtedness to the life and thought of Reinhold Niebuhr. And um, in terms of my own personal interest, in Niebuhr. I actually had not read Niebuhr until my final semester of coursework as a PhD student. Mm. So here I am uh, working toward the end of my doctorate in theology. I thought I was going to study early Christianity. And then I pick up this book by Reinhold Niebuhr called Moral Man and Immoral Society. It's written in the 1930s. And um, I was captivated by that book. I saw in Niebuhr a similar ability that we see in other great Christian thinkers such as St. Augustine or Martin Luther to use the tools of theology to help us be even more radically honest about our problems as human beings and what's wrong in human life. And um, I, was, I was attracted to that, right, this, this, this model of faith where faith actually helps you confront your problems more squarely rather than being a means of, of evading them or escaping them. Jeremy, the introduction of your book is called An American Conscience. Uh, what, what are you explaining there, and, and why, why uh, that statement? Well, that title actually comes from Martin Doblemeyer, the filmmaker. So this book is the companion to a, a documentary that aired on PBS in April by the same name called American Conscience, the Reinhold Niebuhr story. Mm. And... Um, 
the documentary actually came before the book. What the book does is it takes these transcripts that we worked on with a, a bunch of different, very interesting figures in, in American life. Um, we interviewed former President Jimmy Carter, for instance. We spoke to David Brooks of the New York Times. Uh, we spoke to various other experts. We talked to members of the Niebuhr family. Um, so we had this this massive bank of transcripts, and the director of the film, Martin Doblemeyer, um, pitched the idea to me early on in this project that we use the 20 hours worth of transcript material to write a book because it's an hour-long documentary. The vast majority of the transcript material just ends up on the cutting room floor. And the book was a way to use that and to put all these books in conversation with one another. But in our very first uh, conversation with the documentary filmmaker, when we were describing Niebuhr to him, and he hadn't read Niebuhr for you know, a few decades, not since his own school days. But after that very first conversation, he says, you know what? Leinhold Niebuhr was America's conscience. And he was exactly right. The role that Niebuhr played in American life from the, the early 1930s through the end of his life, the late 1960s, early 1970s, was the role of conscience. Niebuhr understood that uh, faith is something um, that unsettles our presuppositions about the way things should be, right? It's something that's constantly breaking in and causing us to reconsider our motives and why we're doing what we're doing and to be honest about ulterior motives that sneak into why we do what we do and to be honest about the fact that God's ways are not our ways and that we often, even when we intend to do well, um, our own agendas tend to seep in and and, and hijack um, even our most well-intentioned projects. And so Niebuhr was this constant reminder to, to people in American public life of, you know what, sin is real and grace is real, um, but in order to be open to the work of God, we need to be honest about our failings. Jeremy Sabella is our guest, uh, his book, An American Conscience. Uh, Jeremy, uh, you open in Chapter 1, The Preacher Activist. Uh, tell us more. Well, Niebuhr started out his career, as as I mentioned earlier, as the pastor of a small German-American parish in Detroit. As you can probably tell from his name, he's second-generation German-American. So his parents were German speakers. They came to America. Uh, Reinhold, as a child, spoke more German at home than he did English, um, and actually took him a good amount of effort when he was um, in his early college years to really develop his English language skills. Um, so he he um, finished with his his seminary education and took this job as this minister of this parish in Detroit. And he came out of what's called the Social Gospel School of the early 20th century. This was a group of of Christians who who saw it as their duty to usher in the kingdom of God. And they thought that the kingdom of God was something that you could actually build by creating a just society. So coming into the pastorate, Niebuhr was working out of that mindset. He was an activist because he wanted to change the world for the kingdom, essentially. Um, And one of his first points of activism was around the push for World War I. So you can imagine that he's a German-American working in a German-American parish. Uh, The U.S. is taking on Germany in that war. Um, But he makes the argument to his congregation and at various places around the country 
that German Americans really needed to suffer the Americans on this one because the Germans were in the wrong, and that they had a duty uh, not just as Americans but before God to fight the good fight. And so he became the sort of booster for for World War One. But then after the war, in the early 1920s, he went on a trip to the Ruhr region of Germany, which was at that point occupied by France, and was just appalled by what he saw, because this was one of the places that was hardest hit by the war. It was complete carnage, and he realized that he had been in the wrong to use his authority as a pastor to encourage people to join this war that ended up being terrible, even though it had been billed as this glorious adventure for the kingdom, right? This this war to end all wars. And Niebuhr saw the carnage on the other end of it, and he repented of how he'd used his, his spiritual power to support that war. So he actually becomes a pacifist at the end of that conflict. Mm-hmm. But the other key moment in his activism was um, was squaring off with Henry Ford. So Niebuhr's located in Detroit, same city as Henry Ford, and um, what he sees in Ford, you know, at this point, Ford has this national reputation as the person who produced the first cheap automobile, pays his workers good wages. He's cultivated this reputation as this incredible philanthropist. But Niebuhr, being in Detroit, he has access to people who work in Ford's plants. He's able to tour the plants for himself. And what he sees is that the assembly line has been sped up so much that it's wearing these men out in a matter of a decade. So they get on the line at the age of 20. By their early 30s, their bodies are spent. They can't keep up. And they're just disposed of. There's no mechanism in place to take care of the workers once their bodies are spent. And so Niebuhr starts writing these articles that get national attention, drawing attention to this fact and trying to hold forth account, right, to take care of his workers that, that gave him 10 years of their best labor and can't keep up anymore. My guest is Jeremy Sabella. We're talking about an American conscience. We've got more with Jeremy right after these messages. Here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour, it's 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word, in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. I don't get why so many people still have old-school home security systems. Meet Ryan, a police officer, not an actor. Expensive contracts, false alarms, easy to disable. I wouldn't own one. Like so many officers, Ryan chose Blink Home Security. Blink got home security right. They're discreet, super affordable video cams you install yourself in minutes. They're wireless and run on two batteries that last two years. Blink is motion activated so when it detects something in or around my home, it sends a video alert to my smartphone. If it's a threat, I call 911. And Blink's live feed option is total peace of mind. It lets me check in on my smartphone from anywhere. So I know when my kids get home, doors are locked, everything's code for. Cameras start at just $99. Order now and get 10% off at BlinkProtect.com slash radio. BlinkProtect.com slash radio. BlinkProtect.com slash radio. Officer endorsement compensated. Hi, I'm Barbara Sandbeck, your host on Grace Notes, a 15-minute program that contains biblical teaching and a wide variety of music. Some of the subjects we address are why do we have trials and cultivating intimacy with God. You can listen right here on WTLN every Sunday at 2.45 p.m. Can't catch the whole broadcast? Visit 
visit our podcast on the web 24-7 on WTLN.com. So tune in. You won't want to miss it. Mom, I just don't get it. I'll never get it. I hate math. Sound familiar? If your child struggled with math last year, it doesn't mean they have to this year. Let Mathnasium Learning Centers be the solution. Our unique teaching method is designed to fill in the gaps, boost confidence, and ultimately make math make sense. Mathnasium Hunt Club is right in your backyard in the Chick-fil-A Plaza on 436 and Hunt Club Road in Apopka. Call them at 407-682-6284 or online at mathnasium.com slash hunt club. When disaster strikes, when the world is turned upside down, children suffer the most, and meeting their unique needs is why Save the Children is there. Right now, Save the Children is making sure children and families devastated by Hurricane Harvey are getting the help they need. Your $50 right now to Save the Children will send love, care, and life-saving aid right here at home. Call 888-810-8275. That's 888-810-8275. Or give online right now at savethechildren.org radio. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. Jeremy Sabala is the author of An American Conscience, the Reinhold Niebuhr story. Uh, we're having a good visit uh, with Jeremy about this topic. And, and Jeremy, we move uh, to this interesting chapter. It's called Hope Amid Chaos. Uh, what's happening at this point in your story? Well, um, to wrap up the piece with Ford, because this will set up the, the subsequent okay, chapter good, quite, good. quite nicely. Um, so basically what Niebuhr realizes in his confrontation with Ford, because he thinks Ford's a good person, mm-hmm. right? He doesn't see any questions, any reason to question Ford's individual morality. And he looks at people in his own congregation and concludes, you know what, these are really good people, right? They, 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 they love the Lord. Um, they, they treat their neighbor well. They're kind, they're courteous, but when it comes to addressing these these big social issues, he can't get them to pay attention. And what he concludes from that is that people as individuals are moral, but if you're serious about changing society, it's not just an, it's not enough to just persuade people to to be good in their individual lives. You need something more than that. So if you're serious about the work of the kingdom, it's going to take more than just transforming individuals. You need to start thinking about how to intervene in in systems in ways that bring about justice. But moving on to chapter two, hope amid chaos. Um, I start off this chapter by talking about the serenity prayer. So Niebuhr, we have this sophisticated thinker, right? who is actually the author of one of the most recognizable passages in American letters, the Serenity Prayer. It's used in 12-step programs. God grant me the grace to accept the serenity of the things that I cannot change, the courage to change the things that should be changed, and the wisdom to tell the one from the other. So people don't realize the connection of that prayer to Niebuhr. But what I ended up talking about is the context in which Niebuhr writes that prayer. So he's writing it in the early 1930s. The nation's in the midst of the Great Depression. The international order's beginning to fray. And there are rumblings of what will eventually become uh, the rise of fascism and Hitler in World War II. So the world in this state of, of chaos. And here Niebuhr articulates this prayer about serenity, right, and, and being receptive to God's grace in the midst of the chaos. And that's a theme that he ends up developing 
um, throughout the 1930s in the lead up to the war. Um, he ends up talking quite, quite bluntly about the fact, you know, whatever grace is, it's not something that we see when our lives are going well. Grace is that which sustains us when things are falling apart. And um, so he talks about how world events can still somehow bear witness to this drama of human sin and divine grace. And um, it's during this period that he really starts to become a a well-regarded theologian and begins to have influence well beyond his, at this point he's a professor at, at Union Theological Seminary, but well beyond his, his own classroom, he starts getting national attention. Now I want you to talk about visions of a new world order. What what's uh, what's that mean? So the visions of a new world order piece. Um, I start by talking about Niebuhr on the cover of Time magazine mm-hmm. because a lot changed in obviously a lot changed in the world from the late 1930s through the late 1940s. Um, prior to Pearl Harbor, you know, we we look back on the war. Um, intervention seems like the only option that we really had, right? It seems kind of an obvious course, and we're rightfully proud of, of the greatest generation that, that helped fight that conflict and get us through that time in world history. Um, but we forget how powerful isolationism was in the lead-up to the war. And Niebuhr was one of the first voices to say, in very public ways, isolationism is not an option. We can't sit this one out. Now, sometimes you are forced to make choices between the lesser two evils. That's the tragedy of living in a simple world. And in this case, uh, the lesser evil is joining the fight against against Hitler. And he preached this at mostly university chapels throughout the country. And it's striking how many uh, future leaders of America recall hearing Niebuhr speak at these chapels, people who were isolationists when they walked in and then heard Niebuhr speak and they started to think, actually, maybe we do need to take the intervention piece of this seriously. Um, so Niebuhr starts shaping all these conversations around interventionism and the war. And um, before the war is even over, he's talking about the need to reinvigorate our understanding of democracy and how it works. And the case that he makes is democracy. He doesn't say democracy is the best of all possible systems. What he says is it's the best we can do in a sinful world. And he talks about the importance of, of checks and balances as ways of, of reining in our tendencies to be really self-interested in the way that we go about our politics and how that system of, of checks and balances is the best way to hold our own sinful tendencies in check and to elaborate forms of community that are workable for everyone involved. So he becomes one of the marquee democratic theorists in, in America and, and highly influential in a lot of conversations in the post-war period. Jeremy Sabella is our guest. We're talking about his book, An American Conscience, the Reinhold Niebuhr story. Uh, by the way, uh, Jeremy, what kind of a speaker uh, was Niebuhr? Was he a compelling, dynamic speaker? People who hear him, you know, because we mainly hear him through his writings, uh, mainly encounter him through his writings, but his own family says that wasn't his medium. His medium was the spoken word. He was apparently this amazing preacher, and you do catch glimpses of it. So Niebuhr suffered a stroke in, in 1952, and most of the audio that we have of Niebuhr preaching is after that period. So mm-hmm. you're, you still get a sense of how powerful he was, but we only have a couple of snippets that are pre-stroke. They're remarkable. 
you know, this was somebody who who has been called the uh, dramatist of theological ideas. And um, you really can get that sense from, from his early work of just how compelling a speaker he was. Let's move along in this book that you've written, and, and I want you to talk about <clears throat> the chapter on bumbling knights and nuclear warheads. Yeah, so the bumbling knight there is a reference to Don Quixote from Don Quixote de la Mancha, right? This this somewhat ridiculous character who goes around and, and has all these notions of, of of chivalry and ends up fighting with windmills and, and all the rest. Um, and I make the case in that chapter that from Niebuhr's perspective, we like to see ourselves as a nation as a more Richard the Lionheart type figure, right? This this highly confident, incredible knight, you know, charging in for the cause of justice. When in reality, we're more like Don Quixote. Our intentions are good, but we mess up along the way, and um, and we, we need to be frank about that. So Niebuhr, after the war, um, Americans could scarcely believe their incredible fortune, right? Because they go from the Great Depression in the 1930s to being the most prosperous and powerful nation the world has ever seen um, in the 1950s. So Niebuhr spends a lot of time talking about irony because he looks out in America and, and starts to see that this prosperity and this power isn't sitting the way we thought it would. Right? We're the most powerful nation the world has ever seen because we developed these nuclear weapons, but we're running duck and cover drills in our, skill, in our schools because we're afraid of what the Soviets, who now have that same weapon, might do to us. And he thinks this is ironic. He looks at American prosperity and says, you know, we thought that by, by becoming prosperous, we'd solve the problems of, of the Great Depression era and be happy. And yet here we are in the 1950s, more prosperous than we've ever been. And, um, you know, people are going to therapists in record numbers because they're miserable. And Niebuhr's pointing out, um, stuff won't make us happy. Power won't make us happy. And um, we need to be honest about the discrepancy between how we thought things would be once we attain all this power and all this prosperity and how things really are. And in confronting that discrepancy, um, learn to repent. Right? He, he saw in that moment of realizing that we're miserable and scared in our moment of greatest power and prosperity as, as a call to, to repent and, and open ourselves as a, as a nation to, to divine grace. Now I want you to talk about <clears throat> Niebuhr and the 21st century conscience. Uh, what's that about? Well, that chapter is trying to make sense of how, what does Niebuhr have to say to today? Um, he's a 20th century figure responding to 20th century problems. He does so in very compelling ways, but we're a very different country now than we were then. And, um, you know, it's, as I've been reflecting on that chapter, I taught a class last fall to undergraduates called Religion in the American Presidency. And, um, the class was a wonderful experience. I got to teach it during the election. But one of the themes that emerged from this class, and it's a politically mixed class, right? Nobody's coming from any one particular perspective. But the general sense of that class was that this last election, when the choice is between business as usual or just blowing the whole thing up, um, something needs to change in how we're thinking about politics. Um, and I think that's something that we can all agree to. And, 
Niebuhr is somebody who can reinvigorate our our uh, our moral imaginations around how to go about the craft of politics. And um, for me, one of the motifs that really pops out is the the notion of irony that he developed in in the 1950s. You know, we look at the power that you and I have in our pockets through our smartphones, right? We have access to more information than humanity could have ever dreamt of. And yet here we are in the situation where that information overload leaves us all busy. <laughs> we don't know how to process it. We, we've lost our sense of, of who to trust. And I think Niebuhr would look at that and, and see an opportunity there for some important um, self-reflection and introspection and to stop, you know, lobbing rhetorical missiles at one another for a second and, um, and to be willing to be self-critical and to be open to the ways that we, we need to repent in order to, to be able to move forward in our political life. Um, so the gist of that chapter is exploring what does Niebuhr have to say to us in our context in 2017. Jeremy, what can you tell us about the documentary film? Well, the documentary uh, aired on PBS in April. It was directed by uh, Martin Doblemeyer, who has a long track record of producing award-winning work um, at the intersection, basically on religious themes. Um, he is perhaps best known for a documentary he produced on Dietrich Bonhoeffer back in 2004. mm mm-hmm. um, and the Niebuhr-Bonhoeffer connection is interesting that, you know, in more time I would talk about Bonhoeffer as a student at Union Seminary in Niebuhr's classrooms. So those two interacted quite a bit. Um, but um, uh, Doblemeyer's uh, film, film studio is called Journey Films. Anybody who's interested in the film, it's, it's really something as a documentary. You get to um, hear from Niebuhr's own family what it was like to grow up with this dad who was doing all these these things in in American life. You get to hear from former students. You get to hear from uh, public officials talk about how how Niebuhr's thoughts shaped the way that they approached politics and, and the conundrums of power that come with politics. Um, so it's, it's really something, and I highly recommend it to anyone in your audience. Tell me about Niebuhr's family. Um, well, Niebuhr, Reinhold Niebuhr, uh, didn't marry until his early 40s. He married... Um, well, I believe Ursula uh, Keppel Compton was the first woman to ever earn a first degree in theology from Oxford University in England. So she was brilliant in her own right. Um, and uh, she and Reinhold had this, this really wonderful relationship in exchange. In, in exchange. You know, they, they sparred a lot, but in this, this very loving and, and productive way for, for their respective work. They had two children. Uh, Christopher and Elizabeth. We talk with with Elizabeth um, about growing up in in the Niebuhr household uh, quite at length in in the documentary, and you can catch clips in in her book as well. But um, you know, I think one of the most one of the interesting facts of somebody who studied Niebuhr is that he had an FBI file that was several hundred pages long. Jeremy Sabella has been our guest, author of An American Conscience. We've got more after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour right here on 94.9 FM and AM 950 The Word. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950 The Word. Join 
Join Richard Jordan, president of Grace School of the Bible, as he opens God's Word every Sunday afternoon at 530 on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. If you missed the Sunday broadcast, you can listen and study along with Dr. Jordan 24-7 at WTLN.com by clicking on the podcast tab. And then, Riches of Grace. Riches of Grace, a service of Grace Impact Ministries at graceimpact.org. 5.30 Sunday on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. Hi, I'm Steve Lash with Holiday Rent-A-Car, a division of Blue Book Cars. Finding yourself in need of a low-priced rent-a-car? Call us at Holiday Rent-A-Car. We can help you with all your rental car needs. Starting at only $14.99 a day, that's right, $14.99 a day, it won't break the budget. Whether your car is in the body shop, repair shop, or maybe you have family or friends that are visiting and need a car, we are here for any in-state rental car need. To be sure, Holiday Rent-A-Car is your lowest-cost rent-a-car option. We have cars and minivans to rent, but make a reservation at these low prices they rent fast since 1980 holiday rent a car in sanford has helped thousands remember we have a current service special of paying only 9.99 a day when your vehicle is being serviced at our shop you know blue book service center the best lowest price repair shop so no waiting and you can be more productive so call us today at 407-321-0741 or visit us at bluebookcars.com we're saving you money Hi, I'm Mick Dolan. Does your kitchen or bathroom need a makeover? And do you need it done on time and on budget? One-to-one kitchen and bath can help you from start to finish with free design service. You can see a 3D model before you buy. If you just need cabinets, countertops, or flooring, then one-to-one kitchen and bath's got you covered. Always on time with the highest quality products and their low price guarantee. One-to-one kitchen and bath, 1781 Fairbanks Avenue, Winter Park. Online at the number one, TL1Cabinets.com. One-to-one kitchen and bath. When disaster strikes, when the world is turned upside down, children suffer the most, and meeting their unique needs is why Save the Children is there. Right now, Save the Children is making sure children and families devastated by Hurricane Harvey are getting the help they need. Your $50 right now to Save the Children will send love, care, and life-saving aid right here at home. Call 888-810-8275. That's 888-810-8275. Or give online right now at savethechildren.org slash radio. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour. Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. Jeremy Sabala, our guest in the first uh, half hour, talking about his new book, An American Conscience. Josh McDowell joins us, founder of the Josh McDowell Ministry, a longtime um, connected with Campus Crusade for Christ, good friend, best-selling author, and we're going to talk about his new book, uh, simply called Truth. Uh, Josh, wonderful to catch up with you. I hope things are well with you. You know, it's better than I deserve. <laughs> uh, my wife, my family, the ministry is just going incredible. Good, Josh. That's... Uh, so grateful. This new book is called Truth, 365 Devotions for Teens, Connecting Life and Faith. Why was it important for you to write this book, Josh? Well, the reason I wrote Hashtag Truth was that there's several major studies out that shows there's two main reasons why 70 to 80% of our young people are leaving the faith after high school graduation, up to 80% with the Southern Baptists. Mm. And they found out two reasons for it. One, Pat, um, intellectual skepticism. No one would answer my questions. Second, not relevant to my life. 
not relevant to my life. And those are two underlying issues whenever you deal with young people. Now, get this, Pat. That's why they were leaving. Lifeway did a major study on what will bring them back. What will cause young people to come back to the faith, come back to the church? Listen to this. Number one, if truth was presented in a way I understood it, that deals with the intellectual skepticism that they leave. Second, if it's relevant to my life. Mm. And so the issue of truth and relevancy are probably two of the biggest issues among young people today. But why 12 truths? Yeah, that's a good... It's not just because there's 12 months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's not just because there's 12 months, Pat. But my son and I wrote a book together called Unshakable Truth. We wanted to find out how do you pass on your faith in the 21st century? Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you preach? How do you teach the Word of God? So we went all the way back and studied Justin Martyr, who took the church from his teachings from 25,000 to 20 million. And he taught this. There are 12 truths you must embed into a child's life if they're going to become true followers of Christ. Mm. And I said, no way, that's too many. And then as I read them, I said, they're right. So I said, I want to do a book. Uh, And it needs to be a devotional where we can have the 12 months, the 12 truths, but I have 30 days to explain each truth in a devotional way. Mm. Uh, And so that's how it became hashtag truth and 12 truths for 12 chapters. Well, I want to plow into this, uh, Josh, and let's get started. January... The Truth That God Exists. Uh, What are you writing here? Well, uh, it takes through the whole month. Sure. But there were four questions, four questions that Justin Martyr said had to be answered. One, what do you need to know about that truth to become a true follower? Second, how do you know it's true? Third, and this is a key one, Pat, so what? Mm-hmm. So what? So God is uh, God, etc. How does that apply to me? And fourth, how to live in a community. So the key thing to God here that I emphasized all the way through is not that God is a loving God as much as he's a holy God, etc. But the first thing God revealed about himself is that he's a creator God. In the beginning, God created. And why is that so important? Because one, it speaks of significance and meaning. And these are two things that young people are struggling for, significance and meaning. And so the whole chapter is centered around that. Let's move to the month of February. The truth about God's Word. That's the over overriding theme here, Josh. Yes. The key thing here is that the most nagging doubts of young people, whatever, stems back. Mm-hmm. Is the Bible true? Mm. Can I trust the Bible? But if it is, how does it relate to my life? 83% of 18 to 36-year-olds, Christians, say I have no idea how my faith relates to my work, to my profession. Mm. That is so sad, Pat. Mm. So here, in 30 days, 28 in February, I'm able to reinforce why we believe the Bible is true and how it is relevant to your life. And it doesn't matter what else you believe. If you have questions and hesitancy on the Word of God, it undermines everything. Month of March. 
the truth about original sin. If we don't understand sin, where it came from, its effect in our lives and culture and everything else, there is no way to understand the world. There's no way to understand culture. There's no way to understand people, let alone yourself. And so this is why it's so important that a young person comes to understand the impact, what sin is, the impact in their life, and the consequences of living in sin, but doing it in a way that it's very relevant to them. Month of April, Josh McDowell is our guest. Uh, we're talking about his new book, Truth, 365 Devotions for Teens, Connecting Life and Faith. Uh, April, the truth about God becoming human. Uh, how does that month go for you, Josh? Well, you cannot understand salvation and the meaning and significance of the world and our lives if we don't understand that God loves us so much he was willing to send his own son to deal with the sin problem and to deal with the righteous problem. And many young people struggle with this. Come on, God cannot become man. Mm. Well, he did. And in this chapter, I point out the evidence for it and how it's so relevant to your life and in understanding the Christian faith. That God became man in Jesus Christ is probably one of the four or five pillars of the Christian faith. And it's important to understand, for young people to understand, that this is the ultimate love of God expressed towards us, to send his son to die on the cross for our sins. And, you know, that led into the next chapter, Pat, the truth about Christ's atonement for sin. That's the month of May, and right? Here is where, that's right. And most people go wrong here. Over the years, I'll ask people, for whom did Jesus die? And every Christian would say, for me. Well, I said, for who else? Um, for the lost, yes. For who else? For everyone. For who else? Mm. And they don't know what to say. I said, you cannot understand the atonement if you don't understand for whom Christ died. He, first of all, died for God the Father to uh, atone our sins with his holy, just righteousness needs to be satisfied. And when Jesus said, it is done, his death satisfied the holy, just, righteous nature of God. And you might say in human terms, set God free to deal with us in his love without having to destroy us. And most people's theology is anthropocentric, Pat, meaning man-centered. When in reality, biblically, most theology is theocentric. It is God-centered. Mm. And so much of our Christian faith is I, 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 when it should be him, 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 in my life. Mm. Let's move to the month of June, Josh. Josh McDowell, our guest. The truth about justification through faith in Jesus Christ. Month of June, Josh. Justification means to be declared righteous. Sanctification means to be made righteous. Justification is a legal term. Like uh, when a judge brings down a gavel and says, I find you innocent. What the Bible says here. God justified you. In other words, he declared you to be as righteous as Christ himself. But here's one of the problems here. Most people think we're saved by faith. 
Well, you can't be saved by faith. It's impossible to be saved by faith. One of the greatest heresies preached today is salvation by faith. Now, boy, Christians come unglued to that one because they don't know their Bible. Now, I always thought people said that you're saved by faith. I said, then you've been taught wrong. But look, if you could be saved by faith, you wouldn't need Jesus. All you need to build up is build up your faith, and you'd be saved. Then, well, how are we saved? Oh, Pat, this is so critical, because the way you believe you're saved is the way that you will live your Christian life. We are saved by grace, through faith in Christ. It was the grace of God. What Christ did on the cross for our sins is death is burial that I covered in the previous two chapters. That's uh, the basis of our salvation. Faith is simply the arm that receives what Christ did. If you say we're saved by grace through faith, then you're lost. Why? Because the key to faith is not in the one believing, but in the one who is believed. It's not, it's trusting in him who you believe. If Jesus Christ is not the Messiah, the Son of God, then all your faith and grace would be for naught. Uh, and so it's so important that we understand that we're saved through faith in Jesus Christ. This is why when somebody makes a decision for Christ, they need to have a certain understanding of who Jesus is and what he did on the cross. And this is so critical for young people today, because if you think you're saved by faith and you try to live your life by faith instead of trusting Christ through the Holy Spirit and your faith in him, and that will almost always lead to either depression or rejection mm. if you don't have it in Christ. Let's move to the month of July. We're talking to Josh McDowell and his uh, his new book, a devotional book for teens, Connecting Life and Faith. Uh, the theme of July, Josh, the truth about living the transformed life. The Christian life is a transformed life, but so many don't understand how do you live the transformed life. I say to parents, if you don't do this, you'll hardly ever have a spiritual impact in your kids, and ask this. If you do not live the transformed life in your personal life and in your marriage and in your home before your children, if you do not make your walk with Jesus attractive to them, why should they ever want what you have? And if they don't want what you have, then why should they read your Bible? Because if you read your Bible, and that's how you got what you have, you say, I don't like what you have, so why should I read the Bible? Why should I go to church? Kids process that way. Mm. And the emphasis here, again, is on the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, to be the transformed life that God intended. Josh McDowell is our guest. Let's uh, move to August, the month we're in here. The truth about Jesus' bodily resurrection. That's the theme of August, Josh. I've done over 250 debates in universities. So many of them debated about the truth of Christianity uh, over versus atheism. And every debate, I would say something like this. If you want to defeat me, if you want to win this debate, all you have to do is show that the resurrection of Jesus Christ never happened, and all the Christian faith crumbles. If there's any one foundation 
our faith is built upon. It's the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if he were not raised in the third day, as Paul said, then your faith is worthless. And most people do not understand, one, the evidence for the resurrection. Second, the meaning of the resurrection. This is kind of the stamp that Christ's death did satisfy God's holy, just, righteous nature when it comes to your sin. And I think it's one of the most important um, aspects of the entire Hashtag Truth uh, book. My guest is Josh McDowell, founder of the Josh McDowell Ministry. Uh, we're talking about his new book, Hashtag Truth, and uh, we'll be back with Josh. we got to take a break for these messages on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word, in Orlando, Florida. We'll be right back, folks. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. This is Dennis McKenzie for Families by Design. Strong families are designed by God. Do you want your family designed by God? For inspirational principles for today's families, listen to Families by Design with your host, Dr. Daniel Forbes and Kevin Picorni. Families by Design airs every Sunday at 9 p.m. That's Families by Design right here, 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Have you ever thought how you will be remembered when God calls you home? Death is a reality we all face but do not want to think about. American Family Funerals and Cremations can guide you in preparing for such a time and allow your family to celebrate your life. Hi, I'm Alan Treba, owner and licensed funeral director. We are a local family-owned funeral home in Central Florida that works as a ministry of caring. Take the stress off your loved ones and allow our family to take care of your family. American Family is becoming the source in the Christian community for funeral services, as we are mostly referred by pastors and churches. Those who know us know how we care for people, know how we put God first in everything we do, and know how we make every effort to help you in these times. Allow our family at American Family Funerals and Cremations to show you what makes us different. Call 407-339-0070. Again, 407-339-0070. How would you like to see clearly when you wake up in the morning? Reduce your dependence on corrective lenses. How would you like to change the way you see the world? Well, you've always wanted to do it, and now is the time to take that step with LASIK. And we are excited to announce that for the first time ever, LASIK is now available at half price. Just go to our website, AmazingRadioDeals.com. Imagine getting LASIK at half price. Enjoy activities such as work, movies, sports, and play. LASIK at half price? Amazing. AmazingRadioDeals.com. Half price LASIK available now. Thousands. AmazingRadioDeals.com. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. Josh McDowell has written a wonderful book for teens, 365 Devotions Connecting Life and Faith. Josh, we've uh, moved uh, into the, uh, the fall period here, the uh, month of September. And your theme is the truth about the Trinity. Uh, Fill us in. In a book I wrote called The Witness, it's a terrorist novel for Muslims. Mm. And uh, I wrote it to have an impact in their lives through Christ. 
So I went to this radical Muslim university in Cairo, Egypt, mm. and told them to bring in their wisest people, their most adamant revolutionaries, whatever, and they could challenge me for two hours. Mm. And, of course, the reason I did that, I wanted two hours of transcript that if I said this, how they would respond, if they said that, how I would respond. And I would have the transcript for doing the uh, manuscript for the book, and it would be very real and relevant. Well, I knew it was going to come up, and the Trinity came up. Boy, as soon as you mentioned the Trinity, all, I guess put it in street language, all hell broke loose. Mm. I mean, the gate just opened up. People were shouting, screaming, pounding their chairs on the floor, everything. And I knew I was losing control of the crowd. I stood up. I slammed both of my hands on the little table in front of me, and they just hit him right. It goes, boom. Everyone just stopped. And I raised my voice, and I said, hear this. The Trinity is not a problem. It is a solution. And everyone just went quiet. And I thought, I better have a good answer for this. I have never, <laughs> ever said that in my life. Mm. And I'm sitting there saying, Lord, give me wisdom. So I went to the Book of Romans on uh, justification and redemption, and I pointed out that there had to be a triune God to satisfy our sin problem. And when it was over, there was no issue about it with the Muslims. I went, oh my gosh, I just found the key to talking with Muslims, that the Trinity is a solution. And we need to understand the Trinity, to understand redemption, what Christ did in the cross for our sins. And we need to understand the Trinity to understand the work of the Holy Spirit, who is God, working in our lives to take truth and to make it real in our thinking and our lives. And that was probably the hardest month to deal with, was the Trinity. But it's the one that there's so much confusion about, and I think as kids read this, parents read this, they're going to have a whole new insight over that month on the Trinity. Josh, let's move to the month of October. Uh, the truth about God's kingdom. Uh, I'm I'm anxious to hear about this. Well, there's two parts to this. The truth about God's kingdom in the next chapter, the truth about the church. Truth about God's kingdom, we've got to understand it's a spiritual kingdom. It's a very spiritual kingdom that is established by Christ's death on the cross and our coming into a relationship like with him. We come into God's kingdom. Now, he wants his kingdom to be, to be lived out on earth. And this is where I emphasize how our walk with Christ, our testimony to others, is so important that people can come understand there is another kingdom outside of this world, and it's a spiritual kingdom that has an impact in our lives. And I think young people grasp this probably faster than anything because it's easy to, uh, them to understand several layers of reality, whatever. Uh, but I love the truth about God's kingdom because we are a part of his kingdom and we must live it out. And then in November, uh, the truth about the church. The truth about the church. The emphasis there is we are the church. Mm -hmm. The church is made up of the body of Christ, of all those who have confessed Christ as Savior and Lord, 
and his representatives on earth. And it's so important that young people understand this, that you're not alone. You're a part of community. And in this month, I share with them how to live out their faith in community through the church. And the emphasis here also is we need the church. The church needs us, and we need the church. And the benefits to a young person finding a good church and attending, and especially if he does or she does, with their parents. Because the church is God's instrument uh, of providing gifts to the body of Christ, the gifts of teachers, of helps, uh, encouragement, etc., uh, through the church. And I think it's very difficult to live a Christ-centered life consistently if we don't understand the church and become involved in the church. Josh McDowell. Those are the 12 chapters of Hashtag Truth. Well, we've got to go to December, and uh, December is the truth, Josh, about Christ's return. Uh, What what are you uh, telling young people there? God just didn't bring us into a relationship with him and leave us here on earth. But he gave us a promise that Christ is going to return. Mm-hmm. And the dead in Christ shall rise, and those that are alive will be caught up with him. And I believe Christ's return is probably one of the biggest issues of hope for a young person. As they look at the world and everything else, that Christ is going to return. And the emphasis here I do is, yes, Christ is going to return. That's any time in the future. But he has left us here to be his witnesses. And in our hope that he will return, we need to live out that hope in our daily relationships at school, at work, at home, with our friends and with our enemies. Uh, And I think of anything in the book that gives hope, it's Christ's return. Josh, what advice do you have for parents uh, that may have concerns about their teen and their walk with the Lord? I would say three things. One, live out your faith in your personal life and your marriage that it becomes very attractive to your kids. Very attractive. Without that, why should they want what you have? Mm -hmm. For example, when I wrote the book, what's it called? Uh, Straight Talk with Your Children About Sex. Mm. I sent a videographer to my three daughters' homes and my son's home. And uh, one of the questions to interview, because I wanted to use the answers and the situations, make sure they're accurate, correct, in the book. And one question was, what was your greatest motivation to stay pure, to wait for sex until marriage. And my three daughters and my son said, because I always wanted what my father has with my mother, and it's worth waiting for. Mm. I just cried when I read the transcript of the video. And that's the key, to live an attractive faith before our children. They want what we have. And then second, listen to your children without interrupting and without judgment. You can say the judgment till later. So often we misunderstand what our children say. Listen to them. Don't interrupt them. Because here's what I've learned. If you listen to our children, they will listen to you when 
start talking. Mm. And uh, this is one reason why I, I say to parents, if you got one child, go to josh.org and buy two of the books, hashtag truth. Why? One for your child and one for you. Because if you read the book, first of all, you're going to learn many of these exceptional truths. But second, you're going to be reading what your child reads. And the result of that, you're going to have more confidence to interact with your child on what they're reading in their devotional. Because you see, otherwise you fear you're going to be blindsided or something or you couldn't answer it. And so parents, when they read the book, say at lunch or dinner or whatever, they could say just something like this. Well, what did you think about what Josh said this morning about the resurrection? And you got a conversation if you listen, and then you start sharing. My guest has been Josh McDowell, founder of the Josh McDowell Ministries, uh, author of Hashtag Truth. We've got to wrap up right after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour It's 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Listen up. Pop quiz. What sound do you make but never hear? That's your snoring, and it might explain why your family wakes up cranky. Believe me, they can hear it even if you can't. I'm Trina Webster. And I'm Dan Webster. I tried everything to stop snoring, including surgery. Trina and I figured there had to be a better solution, and we found it. We call it Z-Quiet, because that's exactly what you get. A quiet night's sleep. Just go to GetZQuiet.com. Z-Quiet is so easy to wear, and it works right out of the box. Over a million men and women have kicked snoring out of bed thanks to Z-Quiet, and you can too. We're proud to say that Z-Quiet is made right here in the USA. Go to GetZQuiet.com and sleep quiet with Z-Quiet. Z-Quiet fits both men and women. To try Z-Quiet for 30 days for just $9.95, go to GetZQuiet.com or text SNORE to 91011. That's GetZQuiet.com or text SNORE to 91011. When disaster strikes, when the world is turned upside down, children suffer the most, and meeting their unique needs is why Save the Children is there. Right now, Save the Children is making sure children and families devastated by Hurricane Harvey are getting the help they need. Your $50 right now to Save the Children will send love, care, and life-saving aid right here at home. Call 888-810-8275. That's 888-810-8275. Or give online right now at savethechildren.org slash radio. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. I'm glad you could join me here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. In that first segment, Jeremy Sabella was our guest uh, talking about uh, an American conscience. Good visit uh, with Jeremy. And then best-selling author Josh McDowell plugged in. We talked about his new book, A Devotional uh, for Young People called Hashtag Truth. Uh, Very, very nice visit with Josh. Uh, Please check uh, my uh, website. It's patwilliams.com. The Twitter page, Orlando Magic Pat. And my most recent book is out. It's called The Success Intersection. Uh, When your greatest talent intersects with your greatest passion, well, you have found your sweet spot in life. And that's where you want to live. That's where you want to get your education. That's where you want to get paid every two weeks. Right there. The book is up on Amazon and in bookstores as well. Uh, We're back next weekend for more 
on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour right here on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word in Orlando. Have a great week ahead. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at the same time where faith comes by hearing. 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.